This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Amen. Well, uh, this is the third week in our series. I've, I've, I've got one more week here, Lord willing, on this mini-series. We've been talking about serving, <clears throat> and I subtitled this, Made to Serve, that we are made to serve. And I had a big idea or statement that I've shared pretty much each week. And I said this, that a good measure of our spiritual health is our depth of concern for other people. In other words, you can really, as a measuring stick, you feel like, well, I'm doing pretty good. I, you know, feel pretty good in my faith, and, you know, I'm pretty strong in my faith. And, but how much do you care for others? That's, you gotta, you gotta think about that, because I think that's a factor when we talk about serving and in our lives. And, and so, <clears throat> well, how many want good spiritual health? Can I get an amen? <clears throat> but see, that statement flies directly against the world's mindset. The world's mindset, it just, it's, like, it's like a tsunami to tell you just care about you, just care about your interest, care about what you can make, how much you can save, don't give to others, don't be sacrificial, don't serve others, take care of me, myself, and I. That's the mindset of the world. And so as believers, how many of you know we're not of this world? Are you awake this morning? I said, we're not of this world. God has called us to be different kind of kings and queens. And so we've talked each week that, you know, we want our lives to matter. And the reason we do the things we do is because we, you know, we want to make a difference. We want our kids to make a difference. And, 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 and you know, we talk about making money. And, and those things are not wrong. They are important. But here's the thing about wealth and influence. <clears throat> that is not going to change the world. See, you can throw money at something and try to make something happen, but unless God is in it, it's not going to succeed, okay? And, and, and I've seen that happen, and, and, and we can move ahead and storm ahead in things without God being in step with us, and, and it's kind of like you're on your own because you did it. How many know we don't want to be those kind of people? We want to be in step with God has, but, but, but we are not made for that solely. I want you to get that. Our lives are not made for just, you know, making money and, you know, carving out an existence. Our life is made for something higher than just that. And how many know we are tremendously blessed in this nation that we can do that? You know, um, this is actually a sad, very sad story. And it's about a movie actor. And we've all heard in the news recently. And it just, if you just Google it, it's amazing how many movie stars that have it all have tens of millions of dollars and they're committing suicide. They're hanging themselves in the closet. And they're shooting themselves in the head and they're jumping off bridges. I mean, you think, well, I wouldn't be that way, Pastor, if I had that. I know I would be different. <clears throat> how you live right now really is going to determine how you live in the future. Amen. <laughs> if you're not serving now, you won't serve in the future. You know, I heard, heard of a pastor that had a church down in Florida, and I thought, boy, if I have a pastor at a church in Florida, I would have an army of people that serve. Because why? Pretty much people in Arizona and Florida, what? Retirees, right? They got a check coming each month, right? And what do they do? And most of the time, they get up, they go to breakfast in the morning, maybe work out a little bit. It's like, well, then I'm going to go on the golf course for a little bit. They're retired. They could serve so much. He said, pastor, in my church, he said, it's not so. They're out in the boat 
Throughout, you know, in the ocean fishing and not serving. And he actually made a comment about this church and said, you have so many people here in your church that serve. Boy, I tell you, I kind of just puffed up and went, praise God, what a wonderful church we have here. Because you do, you step up to the plate. When people need you, you step up to the plate. So, so this message is a shout out of a thank you, a thank you. But there's so many that have, that have all the success in the world and their lives are miserable. How many have ever heard of Johnny Depp? Okay, you know, he's kind of a funny actor. He's, he's got crazy movies and uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and he's kind of Jack Sparrow. And, but Rolling Stone did an article. I just saw this article, and, and, and a, a reporter did an interview with him, and it was exclusive. And this guy is just spiraling. He is, he's, he's flaming it out. I mean, it's just Johnny Depp is regarded as one of the world's richest and biggest movie stars. As he turned 55, his personal financial world started falling apart. You know, the Bible warns us that people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways, they have not entered into my rest, Psalm 95 says. Depp resembles, as this article goes on in the book of Ecclesiastes, throughout the book, the writer presents a multitude of examples showing mankind's, mankind's fruitless pursuit of pleasure and contentment apart from a right relationship with God. I mean, we've heard about... Robin Williams, who had everything together, is the man known to bring so much joy as a comedian to millions of people, he hung himself. How could you get to a place that is so depressed when you seemingly have everything? And then Anthony uh, Bourdon in France, 61 years old, a celebrity chef, hangs himself. I mean, it's like, what's going on? You seem like you have everything. Why aren't you happy? It goes on to say this Kentucky-born Johnny Depp, who grew up absent of a father and said his mom was the meanest human being I have ever met. Was asked by interviewer Larry King if he had faith, he replied, well, yes, I, I, I have faith. I have faith in my kids and I have faith, you know, as long as it keeps you moving forward, just keep, you know, walking forward, things will be all right. I mean, faith in terms of religion, I don't. Religion is not my specialty, you know. Well, Survey quickly claimed this man and what he's been lucky in his words to achieve. He has made $650 million from his movies that have grossed $3.6 billion. So that's his $650 million. I want you to think about that being in your bank account right now. How many know we could have a new church tomorrow? <laughs> See, it's just joy came on everyone right there. Just smiled. Six, now you think of that. I get that new vehicle. Anyhow. But watch this. Watch this. This guy. This article discloses that Depp spent $75 million on 14 residents, including a St. Tropes estate. Stephen Roderick conducted the RS interview at the 10,500 square foot London mansion. In a mega million lawsuit being brought against Depp, it alleges that he bought 70 guitars, 45 luxury vehicles, and a yacht. 200 pieces of art, spent $200,000 a month. Come on, ladies. $200,000 a month on a private air travel, had 12 storage facilities for his memorabilia, pays $1.8 million a year for round-the-clock security, spent $108,000 on suits from a trip to Singapore, plus bought an island for himself. Depp boastfully refutes the claim that the suit that he spent, uh, that refutes the claim that the suit that he spent 30000 a month on wine, he says, it's insulting to say I spent 30000 a month on wine. It was far more. That's Johnny Depp for you. Of his earnings, Johnny tells the truth that it's almost all gone. All gone. And it goes on to say that he has a $2 million a month spending disorder, 
Plus, he owes millions in unpaid loans to IRS, taxes. In addition, he's been sued by his bodyguards and accumulating millions in legal fees. His romantic relationships and marriages and with his high-profile actresses and supermodels have crashed and burned. His last divorce brought a lawsuit where the actress claimed Depp was an alcoholic and a drug addict and that his drug and alcohol abuse has increased dramatically in recent years as his violent behavior. How sad. How sad. It says photographs of Depp in his recent days have alarmed observers. The article mentions his appearance as gaunt and sickly now with a scared, haunted look. He resembles Elvis Presley's last days. At the conclusion, it says at the close of the interview, laced with profanities that spewed from Johnny's mouth. Mr. Roderick related how Johnny fumbled for 15 minutes trying to figure out how to open the gates to his mansion's fortress. It was so futile so that the interviewer finally just climbed over the fence. He said he is a lost boy who won't find his way home before dark. He observed. Depp turned and walked back to his gilded prison. You know, <clears throat> he wears a mask. He needs Jesus. The Bible says, what profits a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? You know what? You are a truly blessed person if your wife loves Jesus, if your husband loves Jesus, if your kids love Jesus. You may not have much, but if you know that you love the Lord with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you are blessed. You are blessed. You need to, you need to, you need to see that. It's not gaining more. These people are taking their lives all just because of mammon. And so I, I kind of ended last week. We talked about this. I'm going to hit this real quick. I said the church, I believe, is the center of God's purposes for our life here on earth. It says that his purpose was that now through the church. Can we shout that? Through the church. Say it again. Through the church. That's the ecclesia. That's the called out people. And there are many churches in this nation, in this world. And each one, God does something through them, through the church, that we find life. We find our purpose as we serve in the house of God. I believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that. I said this, that we were all made to build God's church. The purpose, talking about ministers' purposes, to prepare God's people to serve and build up. That's our, my callings, to help equip, to create uh, scenarios within God's house that we can serve and we can build up the body of Christ. How many with me say amen? You know, I like what Rick Warren, he said this. He said, faithful servants never retire. Amen. You can retire from your career, but you can never retire from serving God. I'm going to say that again. You can never retire from serving God because sometimes we have this mindset that here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to orchestrate our life. Then when we get in our 65 plus, maybe 70, we're going to just chill. We're going to live on the lake. We're just going to have the house. We're not going to have to deal with all these issues we suffer through in life. We're just going to cruise. Not so for the Christian. I said not so for the Christian. How can a Christian retire being a Christian? Can I get an amen here in this place? I think I'm waking up half of you right now. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so lastly, we, we, we talked about the blessings we experience by serving. We won't get into that, but I want to just say this. Why should we serve in the local church? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, wonderful verse. It says this, the Spirit's presence, watch this, is shown in some way in each person. Oh, Pastor, I don't have anything. I don't have anything to give. I don't really, I, I just, I'm really not that gifted. I mean, I can do this, that. I, mean, I just, I don't really have any. I mean, they're real. Oh, wow, she's really talented. Look at her. She's really gifted. I mean, he's just, he's anointed. And I don't really have much. Every person has a gift. 
Right here. And each person, what is that gift for? Is for the good of all. That's what it says. It's for the good of all. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Spiritual gifts are specific ways the work of the Holy Spirit is manifested in our lives. These gifts, on top of our interests, abilities, and our hobbies, likes and dislikes, they all join together to form who we are and how we participate in God's work and what he is doing all around us. Can you say amen? Here's the thing. These gifts are not for only for us and, 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 and to selfishly just use them. We were made to serve others. First Peter 4.10 says, says this, excuse me, God has given each of you a gift. There it is again. Uh, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've got a, you know, I can see other. Each of you has a gift. I don't know what my gift is. You can find out what it is. How many know that you kind of got to have to get off your blessed assurance, amen, and you have to go figure out how that is. And we have assessments here. We have things to help direct you in that. But you got to do it. Can't make you do it. You have to do it. You can wander around and you say, when I get around to it, five years. When I get around to it, 18 years. When I get around to it, you know, someone one time gave me a little round thing and it said to it on it. I went, okay, I got around to it. Don't wait for the wooden round to it. Amen. Get around to it. Don't be passive. Find out what, 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 what do I have? What's in me? What's, and we have ways and means to help just direct you where you can discover that. But you discover it as you serve in God's house and you serve God's kingdom. How many with me say amen? And it says this, that we are to use them to serve one another. That's what your gift is for. So what does it look like to really serve other people? With our gifts, I mean, what really does it look like? How many of you know we all need things every day? Amen? There's needs in our life, and we have big needs, we have small needs. But sometimes the people around us, they can see the needs before we do. See, okay, here's the beauty of that. The treasure in serving is when you have eyes to see the need. See, everybody has a need. And many of you have eyes to see, and you see the need, but you don't act on it. Come on, can I get an amen? Don't act on the need. Just go like, wow, they, you know what? They really could, you know, man, they really need this. Or, you know what? That could be a real blessing to them. Okay. Maybe God showed you that because you're supposed to help them. Amen. You love me this morning? Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. <clears throat> it's when we act on what we see. What does that mean? Shoot the text to someone you know that they're, they're going through a difficult time. Praying for you, man. Love you lifting you up today. I know you're going through something difficult. God's going to bring you through. Here's some verses. Amen. Some of you do that. You just, you, you do that on a regular basis. Once again, a good measure of our spiritual health is our depth and concern for other people. You know, the Bible says in the last days, Matthew 24, 12, it's kind of a very sobering scripture. He says, because of the multiplication of wickedness, which actually means lawlessness, iniquity. It says the love of most. I, didn't, I, don't, I highlighted that because it really bothered me. It says the love of most will grow cold. And it's talking about in the world and people in this world because of lawlessness. Have we seen this scripture come to pass? Are we seeing it coming to pass right before our eyes? Wickedness is rampant, but it says the love of most, it grows cold. And I thought about that. I started breaking that down. It said, actually, uh, the love of most means numerous. The majority of most people's love is actually what it means is going to grow cold. I said, well, what does it mean by grow cold? One translation says sin will be rampant. Most people's love will grow cold. 
Isn't that just a picture of the world today? Evil will spread and cause many people to stop loving others. We see this even with family members, fathers towards kids. I just heard this a horrible a father murdered his own child and chopped it up and threw it near a railroad track. What would possess somebody to do that? The devil. The heart's growing cold. Evil. Let me tell you something. There's a real devil that's out there to kill, steal, and destroy. And he doesn't just let you go once you just do a couple bad things. He's going to take you to the full extent of the pig pen. He's never, you see, when you're, either you're moving forward with God or you're drawing back. Can I get an amen? You're either, you're either moving forward. There's no half time, and they say in the military, you know, you're making marking time. It's like, no, you're either moving forward or you're going back. So it's either a forward motion with God or you're allowing the enemy to draw you back. Now, there's sometimes we fall down. But what do I say? You've heard me say this before. If you fall, fall forward. Get back up. Amen? So get back up. Get back and right with God. Repent. God wash you, cleanse you. You move forward. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. But it says, it's the Greek word for growing cold actually means to blow on, to cool down. You're taking something out of the microwave, you put it in your mouth, and bam, what happens? You heated that coffee too much, ah, your tongue's burnt for three days. You know, you're sticking the ice cube on it. What do you do? You blow on it, right? You learn your lesson. I don't want to burn my, you blow on it. That's what it means. And let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters, I just prophetically declare this. This is the truth, that the enemy is blowing on the church in America to cool their hearts for the things of God. He is blowing. So you say, you know what, where we used to come to church for, you know, five Sundays a month, and now it's maybe once a month, once every six weeks, or let's just take the whole summer off. We'll resume. And so, you know what, pastors now have to have sermons and September that say, resume back to church series, because they were gone the whole summer. My brothers and sisters, that's the cooling of the devil. That, that may rub you the wrong way, but that is truth. It's the cooling. Why? We are protected when we're around other believers in the house of God. And, and Angie did a great article about the herd in the, in the, uh, uh, the Harvest Newsletter. Great thing about uh, being separated and being pulled apart, how the enemy can attack us. Come on, can I get an amen in this place? <clears throat> and you say, how can you say that? Because this growing cold has a reference. There's a root reference to the Hebrews 10, 25. It says, do not forsake the assembly. Now, I'm not trying to be self-serving here, even as a pastor. Yeah, of course we want people to come. But I'm more concerned about than just having bodies here, but transformed lives. Amen? Transform lives. It, it'd be great to you know, have every chair filled. It'd be great to have me going to two services. That'd be great. I think those days are coming for us here at Harvest. But I'm, I'm more concerned about how you're doing spiritually. How is your life? Are you strong with the Lord? Amen? Are you growing? I began to think about that. I began to think about it. It's like, you know, and I know we've listened to podcasts and seeing the demographics and how the church is changing and all these things and, you know, how people equate what spiritual formation means for them and what does spiritual food mean. And, and it doesn't, for a lot of Christians, it's not just on Sunday morning. It's the podcast. And, and I believe all those things are good. And we have a steady diet of that as a staff. A steady diet. But here's the thing. Here's how I look at as a podcast. I think podcasts are great, and they are, and we encourage you to listen to them. If you missed a Sunday or whatever, they're important. You have your favorites. They're on your phone. You listen to them. That's good. But it's like vitamins. How many know vitamins are good for you? But how many have had an empty stomach, and you've taken vitamins, but you didn't eat food? Oh, come on. You want to puke. You know what I mean? I've been to the gym. like, oh, I had an animal pack. You know, that's a lot of vitamins. And all I've had was coffee. And sometimes I have actually thrown up. Vitamins are good, but how many you need? You need food. 
You need solid food. You need to be apart with the people of God. You be connected with the people of God. You need solid food. And that only happens in the context of the local church. So when the enemy starts to cool you down, starts to blow on you, you resist that. You fight that. You know, we had some special meetings here at Ashby. I'm getting off course here, but with Kevin Leo and, 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 and just a stirring. And, I, and I've seen some of the faithful people there in that church. I think of Linda Wellman. What a faithful woman. And she lost her husband, Gary. And when I started with the church back in 1993, and Linda was just faithful there as a servant, helping with Pastor Steve. She's like the right arm of Steve Cornamon. I mean, if you want to know about the church, don't ask Steve, ask Linda. That's how I'm She knows everything. Here she is. She's still there with her grandkids, and she's hugging, and they're praying. They're prophesying, and they look at her and went, what a legacy. Linda's going to finish strong. She's going to finish strong. See, that's what we need to have. We need to look around and see that. And go, she went through difficulty. She had heartache. Things weren't perfect for her life, but she's still there. She's still in church. She's still loving on the people of God. She's still there. God sees that. He sees that. Hallelujah. Grow cold. Blowing on. Now the word for love actually means agape. Now notice the concept. It's because the multiplication of wickedness, the love, the agape, that self-sacrificing, that it actually the love of most will grow cold, and, and implying that it's talking about that love in believers, that God has graced us with agape, meaning love, which it actually, I looked this up, and I, I thought it was an interesting translation on agape, meaning a love which centers on preference. Watch this. To focus on preference. You say, what do you mean? It's a divine love. In other words, preference in what God prefers. That's agape love. So how do I know I'm sharing agape love? Because what is God's heart in this situation? What does he want to do? Usually it's not what we want to do. Can I get an amen? And that, but that's God says, I can flow through you with that agape love. I can do that. And so as we allow the gospel to change our hearts, what happens to us? We develop this deep care for other people. And what happens is our attention will begin to turn away from ourselves. I actually think it's a demon. I think it's a spirit. I'm not trying to get strange with you here this morning, but I actually believe there's a spirit out there that just makes you so focused on you. It just, you, you just, and what happens, you just, you step back and you, you just start to build, you, you like these protective walls around you, just like going to protect you. And you just kind of have a little window there and you stick your head out. Hey, everybody. And it's a spirit, that, and God wants to break those walls down. I said he wants to break those walls down. He said, if people knew me, they wouldn't like me. That's a lie. Because if you knew, you know, and someone else, they'd probably think of the same thing. We need each other. I said we need each other. And so what happens is we do that, and we come there. Our hearts become so in tune with the Lord. Amen? Let me move on here quickly. I'm almost done. Galatians 5.13, it says, As for you, my friends... You were called to be free, but do not let this freedom be an excuse. Somebody shout an excuse for letting your physical desires control you. Instead, watch this. Let love make you serve one another. It's right there. It's real clear. <clears throat> that love, that agape, let it love make you serve one another. Let agape make you serve one another. Another translation says it this way. Or serve one another through love. Or through love, make it your habit to serve one another. How many know that we need to form good habits? And one of those is serving one another. See, friends, the gospel is enacted. It's endorsed through the local church all across the world. Amen? Here's the thing. The church is us. We are the church. How many of you know right now the, 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 the present church that Jesus has on earth is you and I? 
In a hundred years from now, we won't be the present church for most of us. Isn't that right? But the present church for Jesus Christ, when we read that word, it's us. It's not the, the, the disciples, they're all dead. They're in heaven. They finished their course. God is concerned about us now. The Bible says David served the purposes of God in his generation, and then he went home. What does that mean? That means we are to serve God's purposes in our life. And how many know it's really, really brief? And you don't know the day or the time. So serve God with all of your heart. Can I get an amen? So we are, what is the church? People who love Jesus, serving others, by door greeting, loving on the babies, teaching the children, the youth, making coffee in the morning is a blessing. Can I get an amen? Keeping a watchful and protective eye on the church body as Andy does in the leaders here for security and then just watch over, protect the sheep. That's part of the body. Praying with others, opening up your homes to, to love on others, to minister in others. In these things, God changes us. He changes us. Wow. That's powerful. Serving in the local church is a vehicle to discover how we are made and how the Lord can use us. How the Lord can use us. Serving provides us the opportunity to know more about how we are created, our likes and our dislikes, what we can do well and what we cannot. And that's okay. And we say this, if you start something, it seemed like it didn't pan out. Nobody came to your little meeting, whatever. Try something different. Do something else. There'll be something there that you will thrive in. You just have to discover that. And so this discovery process of how God can take our unique selves, join with his work, what he's doing, that's going to last our entire life. That's why we don't clock out when we had a retirement age from the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? Our heart posture must always be the same. What can I do to serve other people? Amen? Stay with me if you would, please. Each week at Harvest here, we are given the opportunity to practice putting our attention less on ourselves and more on others. You say, Pastor Mike, that's risky. Yes, it is. It is risky. Why? Because hurting people, we've heard hurt people. And we can get in the crosshairs of someone that is really hurt, and that can be painful. The potential to be rejected and hurt and reaching out is possible. But listen to me. Hear my church. In light of eternity, the, the rewards far outweigh the risks. In light of eternity, there's so much more. A couple of illustrations here before we conclude. One I love what uh, Mother Teresa said. <clears throat> She's known in the Roman Catholic Church as St. Teresa of Calcutta. She was an Albanian, Indian, uh, Indian Roman Catholic nun and missionary and some of the poorest of the poor there in Calcutta. And I'm just going to read through when you think about people and dealing with people, because some of you have been, you've been really hurt really bad by people. Some of you may be close friends that betrayed you. Maybe it's a church situation, and you just you still bring that thing up. You know what I've learned to bring healing in a situation after you repent and ask God to forgive you? You ready for this? Bless them. Do you hear me? Bless them. You may be really upset about something. Lord, I just bless them in Jesus' name. What happens? God turns that around. I bless it. They took so much money from it. Lord, I just tithe that money to them in Jesus' name. Because see, when you tithe it, you're going to return. <laughs> but if you just hang on to it angry, but if you look at it as, I, I, they took so much from me. They owed me this way. They didn't pay me. I tithe that in Jesus' name. I'm going to get back of 30, 60, or 100 fold. Amen? That's how you have to think. Mother Teresa, she said this, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfishness, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, 
You will win some unfaithful friends and gain some genuine enemies. Succeed anyways. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyways. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyways. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyways. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyways. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. And then she says in the final analysis, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Amen? Amen. I want to conclude with this illustration. Maybe you've heard the story um, of the USS Indianapolis. <clears throat> and the chaplain there on the right is Father Thomas Conway. He was a Navy chaplain, 37 years old. This happened in 1945. The USS Indianapolis was a ship that was covertly used. It was a heavy cruiser, uh, and it left uh, the U.S., and it brought actually the atomic bomb to Guam, just north uh, uh, of Guam, is a little island, because they didn't have planes to carry it. <clears throat> and it was this huge bomb. Uh, I think they called it uh, um, Little Boy. It was kind of their covert name. And so this ship, it didn't, it didn't have an escort, so it, they had to get there really fast. It made high time, and it delivered the cargo. And it stopped, I, I think, in Guam, and then it headed back for more orders, but they still didn't give it uh, protection. And the captain had all these things because the Japanese had certain torpedoes they would launch that they would have kamikazes in and they would steer the torpedo, blow up the bull. So they had to zigzag to try to get away with that, but they couldn't, they couldn't stop a torpedo that had a kamikaze. Well, Japanese submarine commander came right upon this ship on the way back after they've already delivered that atomic bomb and fired torpedoes at it. Two of them hit it. And within 12 minutes, that cruiser sank. It was 1,195 men on it. 300 went down with the ship. 902 were out in the open waters floating with very few rafts. And the sharks infested the area, came around, and they began to eat the men one by one. Hundreds. After four days, finally, because they were on a secret mission, and even though they had, you know, signals of, for, for rescue, they thought they were bogus. Says they, that, that ship's somewhere else, but they had orders by the president. And the captain called the abandoned ship. They jumped off, and they're in the water. They had no water. They had a few crackers. And many of the men, they died because they began to drink the water, and they became hysterical, and they were delusional. But Father Conway, he prayed in the water, and he said, Lord, protect me. Let me help your people. Let me serve them. And the sharks went by him and didn't touch him. And he went from raft to raft for three and a half days. He was exhausted and he prayed with the men. He gave them hope. And they hung on. He said, help is coming. God sees you. Help is coming. Don't lose hope. And many of them were on their last breath. They prayed last rites and blessed them as they, they perished. Sharks picking off one by one. And he was in the open water for three and a half days. Finally, they, some of the men, as of last year, 70th year, 17 men still left. <clears throat> they tell the story. He's like, he, 
because they didn't even believe to this day he did what he did. They were ready to give him the Navy Cross. He said, this man deserves this. They said, he went down with the ship. The captain said, no, he didn't. He was out there. He was serving. He was loving. When he, had, when he had chapel services in the battleship, sometimes they'd call battle stations, battle stations. He would turn to the man and he would say, God bless you, God protect you. Give them hell, man. Man, it just, you know, infused these men and they, they fought a good fight. Three and a half days, they would hold him for hours just so he could, couldn't get up on a raft, but just so he could sleep. He'd pass out. Then he'd go back out. He kept serving. He kept giving. After three and a half days from exhaustion, he drowned. Every head bowed, please. God may never call you to an action like that. But I do know he's calling each and every one of us to step up to the plate. That we can do more for him. That we can do more than just take care of me, myself, and I. That maybe we could do more to love in the church family, to care about those little kids that we pass in the nursery. When you said, I could never really minister and do help and jump on the. And, and when Katie asked for help, or, or where Kim asked for help in the youth, and, and where Curtis asked for help in the sound, and, and we need door greeters, and we need people. There's, there's drummers out here, there's musicians out here, there's keyboard players out here, there's singers out here. We could all do more. So, but I'm just not that good. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a gift. And just like Father Conway, he breathes his last breath by serving others. Hallelujah. You're here this morning as a pastor. I've, I've been serving myself. I've just been taking care of just my own and not thinking about your purposes. I want to pray with you, but I first want to, I want to pray for those here this morning that you're saying, Pastor, I... I'm away from God. I'm backslid. I'm not right. I'm not right. I know I'm not right in my heart. And today, as I started this service this morning, I felt the Spirit of God was going to capture your heart. This is the moment right now that I believe the Spirit of God is going to capture your heart. I say, Pastor, that's me. God is speaking to me now. I want to invite you to repent, to receive Christ to begin again, anew and afresh. If that's you, say, Pastor, pray with me. Let's pray together corporately. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, you saved me. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me the purpose in my gifts that I may serve you wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to invite the altar workers to come forward. These are safe. These are solid people. And they are here to pray specifically. They can pray for other things, but they are here to pray specifically on this area of serving. You felt and you sensed God's putting his finger on you here this morning and go, you know what? It's between you and the Lord. No matter what anybody else thinks, but God has put a passion or something in your heart. You go, I, I got to step up to the plate. I think you need to go to one of these up here and just ask for prayer and just share your heart and just say, you know what? This is a new day and pray for strength. Amen. Can we do that here this morning? Amen. Let me bless you. Father, we just thank you right now. I bless the people of God. This world is not going to remember how many toys we had, 
how much political influence or financial influence, what the stories will be told of how we impacted the lives of others, how we served one another in love, how we cared about one another in love, how we gave sacrificially to one another in love. God, let that be our heart's passion. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed this morning. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.